Hello and welcome to the Anchor Sunday Sermons podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Sunday sermons here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's message. Today to talk about a little bit about Putin, Putin and his, his crazy fanatical religion that drives him. There's no doubt, um, the talking heads talk about, you know, energy and, you know, wanting to reclaim uh, what he thinks Russia would belong to the former Soviet Union. So there's a political aspect, an economic aspect. But really what's driving Putin is his religious fervor. Now you think, what kind of religion does he have? Well, he has a weird conglomerate of a lot of things put together. Putin is fueled by a a kind of, um, he has Russian orthodoxy, parts of Russian orthodoxy, so you'll notice there's some Christian things in it. Um, but then he's got uh, Alexander Dugan, who's fueling his flames politically and religiously, and it's the idea that somehow God has ordained him to bring back Russia to its height and to, and in order to do that, he must introduce chaos and Armageddon. Now, it sounds like very much like an Islamic religion, right? That in order to bring to the Maori, they have to introduce chaos or Armageddon in order to get the Maori back, right? So in his version of religion, which is weird, <clears throat> he's got to be the one to introduce chaos because he's divinely ordained to bring this together to make Russia reborn again. Now, that means if the guy is motivated by ideology or a religion, economic sanctions won't work on him. Threat of war won't work on him. When he thinks that introducing war and Armageddon is going to remake uh, Russia again, he wants war. So the thing is, I, I don't understand why our State Department or any of the European nations don't understand you're dealing with a madman who believes he's on mission for God. And if he believes he's on mission for God, he's not going to stop until you take him out. Now, I know probably, and you probably understand where this is going. It All paths will lead eventually to Israel. Now, I don't know if you saw this, that when they invaded Ukraine, he gave a little warning to Israel. One of his cabinet members tweeted out and said, look, Israel, just want to let you know, why we're invading Ukraine, the Golan Heights don't belong to you. So he just threw that out there and said, basically, look, you're next if you mess with us. Now, the other thing that, that surprises a lot of people is how Israel really, they, they have now finally come out and condemned it, but there for a while, Israel wouldn't say anything. And people didn't understand, why, does, why doesn't Israel go against this? Because Russia allows Israel to use Syrian airspace to take out proxies for the Iran government. So when Hezbollah and any proxy uh, terrorists are in that area of Syria, Israel is allowed to go into that airspace and take them out according to Russia's permission. So they're really not going to go against too much of what Russia's doing. Second, yesterday, 
uh, Bennett on Sabbath went and visited Moscow and talked to Putin, uh, Putin for two hours. And I'm telling you what, man, I, I, you know, yes, Israel's going to condemn Ukraine, but they're not going to go full-blown on this because they don't want to mess up their issues with Russia, and they're being threatened by Russia at the same time. At the same time that this is going on, we're having negotiations with Iran, and Moscow is helping in those negotiations. I'm telling you, I can't figure this out. Because there's no one on the right side anymore. The United States is not on the right side. If we're doing deals with Iran and Moscow is brokering the deal, I don't get it. And at the same time, think about this. As evil and crazy as, as Putin is, and eventually he's going to attack Israel. This is, this is how he's going to make his way to the Middle East. The globalist elite are backing up Zelensky and the Ukraine. Yeah, because Putin is against a one-world order, and he's against globalism, and he stands in the way of the globalists achieving their agenda. So the globalists have now clung to Zelensky and the Ukraine in their globalist mindset. Now, eventually, we know what happens if we're in the days of Gog of Magog, Putin, if he is the Gog, will eventually attack Israel, but Putin will be wiped out by God. There's no one that's going to take Putin out. If he is Gog, only God himself will take Putin out in the battle of Gog of Magog. So don't think that this war that what Putin is doing is ending anytime soon. Now, now with that being said, once Putin and Russia are taken out of the place, out of the way, uh, in the Gog of Magog invasion, that will be the green light to start the global government at that point. America's already capitulated to it. We, we will, we're, but the Biden administration, anyone following him, is going to capitulate to the globalism. That's, that's just part and parcel. So we're already out of the way in that sense. But Putin is in the way of the globalists. So what you're watching is evil consuming itself and it is actually going according to plan. The globalists will eventually are, are going to come against Putin, but then Putin will be taken out when he invades Israel by God himself. You're that close. If, if again, this is the big if, if Putin is Gog, and if we're, in that, we're that close to the times, we're there. You're going to see crazy things unfold right in front of your eyes. That's why it's so confusing when you watch the Middle East, because you don't know what side to be on. You ser seriously, man, you just don't know because you definitely don't want to be in Russia, but I don't want to be on the side of the globalists either. And, and so you find yourself in a weird position right now. Obviously, you, you're on the side of the Ukrainian people. I get that, right? But why are the globalists backing up Zelensky? Oh, by the way, Zelensky was trained by Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum. Did you know that? He's on the globalist side. So do I side with a globalist or I side with Putin? Neither of them. Neither of them, okay? You side with Jesus, that's right, Jay. Um, but I'm telling you, this is how complicated things are becoming where there's no one to root for. The Ukrainian people, obviously, they're the poor people that are suffering through this, obviously them. But then I, as far as you know, governments and nations, 
They're all evil. Our own government is dealing with Iran and Russia right now. We're evil. I mean, not you and me, but our government. You can't back that up. What in the world? So it's very confusing times, but to make sense of it, the only thing that, that makes sense is if you follow prophecy. Prophecy will tell you where all this ends up and where it's going. Now, the implications is what we're going to see in our, in our text today. The implications are we're going to face some pretty crazy things. Now, we can be raptured tonight. Obviously, I get that. But you've got to keep both narratives. I can be raptured and be delivered from all this. Or God may want me to stick around for a while and you stick around for a while to not only see more, but you will endure more you might find that you're going to find yourself in a fiery furnace just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we're going to talk about that because they're going digital. They're going to do a vaccine passport on everybody. Even though they're lifting the mask mandate, they're going to require a vaccine for COVID-19 for children, for school. It's, it's coming. And uh, we'll talk about the implications of that. But what I'm saying is this. You have to prepare both ways. You have to prepare that you can be delivered right now or you're going to be around for a while and have to endure some stuff. This, that's just the way we have to approach it. And so this passage right here tells us how to do that, okay? And so we're in the last part of Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to watch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into the fire of the furnace. We focused in on Nebuchadnezzar as a narcissist, yep, and then we focused in on his edicts of how to get compliance. But in this one, I want to focus on the boys because what they do will tell you and I what to do right now. Okay? So that's how we'll apply it. So as you recall, let's set the stage. The stage is Nebuchadnezzar has put out a statue of himself and so wants everybody to worship it. The uh, political pundits have blamed the boys and said, hey, these guys, these Jewish people are not worshiping the image. And they were trying to retaliate against them politically. And they got them in trouble with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar hits the ceiling, goes crazy, rages, and says, I can't believe you guys are not worshiping my image. And here's where we pick up with the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O king, uh, or king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this. And we talked about dealing with a narcissist that you just don't give them information. But really what, what, what we're trying to focus in on here is this. There's no need to explain their position. Just like there's no need right now for me to explain our positions on the transgender movement, on the schools and the crazy boards, I don't have anything to say to them anymore because they're out of their minds. When you deal with people who have got a Romans 1 mind, quit giving them information. The boys are not giving information anymore to Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to explain ourselves anymore. So why do we give, we think that more information is going to convince people? They're not. And so you just, you have to say, hey, it is what it is, man. I'm not even going to answer. I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you anything anymore. You don't want to listen. Obviously, you're going to do your own thing. So I'm not giving you any more information. It's like this, look. But, but, but when they say this, what are they doing? We know they're not answering a narcissist, but guys, sometimes you have to put the authorities over you on notice. They are reminding Nebuchadnezzar, you may think you're in charge of the whole world, but you will not be in charge of me. I have God-given rights, 
And you can push your little mandates, Nebuchadnezzar, all you want, but you ain't taking my rights. I'll die for them. See, that's the difference. And that's sometimes what you have to do to a principal, to a superintendent, to a school board, to your boss. I'm not doing it. Why? Because I said I'm not, because God doesn't want me to. End of story. You don't get to push me around. And that's what they're, that's what they're doing, basically, is that, look, your authority derives from God. It doesn't derive from you. Remember what Jesus told Pilate? You would have no power over me had it not been given to you by, from above. Remember that? He was putting Pilate on notice. Your, 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 your authority doesn't derive from you. It derives from God. Sometimes you need to make that statement to people who are masked Nazis or whatever. You put them on notice. You're not in charge of me. Anyway, look at this, though. As an example of the abuse of authority we now see in the school systems. So Newsom's going to lift the mask mandate, right? But the schools and some of the districts in California say, no, we're going to keep the mask mandate. One of this crazy school district in Sacramento is saying, look, we got got, um, 94% of our students vaccinated. But we're going to keep the mask for the 4%. That's over 600,000 kids. And they got 94%. And we're going to keep wearing the mask for the 6%. What do these people drunk on power want? 100% compliance. That's called authoritarianism. And we've seen this in the school boards. Now, you want to know what's going on in your own school boards here in Kern County? I'll tell you. They're, the teachers right now are being told, you don't have to enforce the mask once he lifts this thing. You know what the teachers responded back and said? Well, can will I still enforce it in my own class? Dude, I'm telling you what, the CTA and these teachers, they become enemy number one for your kids. And I know there's good teachers, and I know there's Christian teachers, but as a whole, it's garbage. It's evil what they're doing. An individual teacher wants to go against their own liberal views and continue to enforce a mask when it's been lifted? Uh Uh-uh. We got some teacher drunk on power. I want to keep the mask. I'm sorry. No. And you have a right as a parent to say no to these people. They're drunk on power. Let's go back to the text. If that is the case... Our God in whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace because that's what's been threatened. I'll burn you alive in the furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So here's what they're thinking. Look, you've went so far, you've blasphemed Nebuchadnezzar. You want to take away our rights and, and make us commit idolatry? Not happening. And so the idea is, look, I believe they're saying God can deliver us. He has the power to deliver us from your hand. You're not all powerful. And the the idea is, that's where a lot of our trust has to come into. But what is the trust based on? It is based on the power? Yeah, we believe God can deliver us. But it's based on his character. A lot of what they're trusting in is God's character. He's a God who delivers. Not all the time, but he will if it suits suits his purposes. And that's what they're trusting in. And, and here's the deal. What you're going to see is they're resigned to the fact that, look, because I know God's character, I know he could either deliver me or he won't. But ultimately, if I do die in the furnace, 
that is deliverance from Nebuchadnezzar too, as well. So it's a win-win situation is what they're saying. Kill us or whatever. We're still going to be delivered from you. We're not worried about it. That's incredible faith. That takes courage right there. Amazing courage. And that courage is based on standing on the truth. Now, here's what I want to bring to your attention. When you're standing on the truth and you have the facts and evidence, you have the Bible behind you, it gives you courage to be bold. Because what these people are doing out in the world are evil. They have nothing to stand on. And so you, you derive your courage to be bold based on the truth. Just like this lady in the Ukraine facing a Russian soldier in the Ukraine. This lady has guts. Watch her. God bless her. She's got guts. Why? Because she's standing on the truth. What is the truth? You're invading my country. You're an enemy. So she confronts them. God bless her. She doesn't have any guns or anything. And she says, put these sunflower seeds in your pockets. When you die, at least something good can come out of your body, which is the sunflowers, that your decomposing body will, will provide as fertilizer for the sunflower. That takes guts. God bless her. By the way, I was bleeping these things out. I don't know if I bleeped out the wrong words because I don't know Russian or Ukrainian. <laughs> Because there was cuss words in it. I just did the English. I said, I'm guessing this is a cuss word. So if someone's from the Ukraine and hears this, I might have not bleeped out the right word. So my apologies. But that's what we're talking about, right? That's the guts we need. So a couple things before we move on. They trusted in God's providential control, right? And power. And they, they basically, what their mindset is, I'm going to accept what God allows, that's the mindset you and I have to have. If we're going to stay in this world for an extended period of time, you have to accept what's, what God is allowing. Will he allow a digital currency? Yeah, he is. That's part of the program. Will he allow your economic ceiling to get lower as inflation increases? Yes, he will. Your purchasing power will, do, uh, will go down. How about the cost of food? It will continue to rise. How about the cost of gas? It will continue to rise. Because we're so crazy... We gave up our, our energy independence when Joe Biden got in as president. And because of that, we're in the mess we're in. By the way, I can't remember the exact figure, but I think we take 4 to 6% oil and gas, I think just oil, uh, from Russia. Why are we doing that when we can, we can drill right here? We're insane, right? We're going to save the planet and, and, and cripple us. You're, you're not going to see the end of high gas prices, because they've, they've crippled us in, in, in our energy economics. What you're going to see is more solar, more uh, wind, and all these other crazy things that don't work. Again, 
we have to accept what God allows. Your money is going to go down. You have to accept that. Two, they trusted God's character and, and will for their deliverance outcome. Notice that, that it is, they, they, they basically have the idea that, look, if he wants to deliver us, he'll deliver us. But if he doesn't, he doesn't. Let me ask you this. And when you go through your fiery furnace, how many times has he actually removed you from the furnace? I honestly can't think of one time in my life that he removed me from my furnace. He made me go through them. And there's a reason he makes you go through the furnaces. And you have to resign yourselves theologically saying, look, man, he knows what he's doing, and there's a purpose behind this, and so I'm having to endure. Now, I'll show you the, some of the things at the end in the application but part of this is you have to just simply trust. That's a hard one. But if not, is the key verse in the whole passage of chapter 3. But if not, you have to have that in your mentality. Yes, Jesus can deliver us in the rapture right now, and I don't have to see any more. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we will worship the gold image which you have set up. If we have to endure this furnace and be thrown in there, then let it be known we did it in opposition to you. We will not bow a knee to you. We will only bow a knee to God. That but if not is an important part of our vocabulary. We have to have that in our faith. I like what Adrian Rogers said. The prince of preachers said this. Does our faith have an if-not clause in it? It is one thing to have faith to escape. It's another thing to have faith to endure. It's one thing to be sick and have faith to be healed. It's another thing to be sick and not healed and still praise God. Whoa, that takes greater faith. Faith is not primarily receiving from God what you want. It is accepting from God what he gives. Woo! That's hard, but he's right. Your life is going to get more difficult if we st the longer we stay here. You have to be able to accept that. That's what he's given you. Why is he giving us that? Why doesn't he just take us home right now? There's a reason. There's a reason, and I will show you the reason in just a bit. Hang on. The key to their responses. They knew their environment and the context in which they lived. They know they're in Babylon. They know there's high idolatry. Don't think for a moment they're not aware that that's going to be pushed on them at some point in time. That temptation will be there. It's, it's the, the same principle for us. Do you know the environment that you're living in? Do you know what they're going to push on you? Do you know what they're going to bring to your family? Right? All these issues, you're aware of it, right? Well, it's coming to a door near you. They're going to push their LGBT agenda. They're going to push their transgender agenda. They're going to push saving the planet. They're going to push their vaccine mandate. They're going to continue to push it. Are you aware of your environment? Because the boys are, and they're, they're already mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they're prepared for this fight coming to them. Two, they'd already passed smaller tests. That's why they can deal with the bigger tests right now. What was the smaller test when we studied? The smaller test was, hey, man, have a little of the king's food. And, many, and the king's food was unkosher, right? Couldn't eat it. So they said, no, 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 we're not going to eat. You know how easy it would have been to compromise? Hey, look, man, just try to get along. There's not going to be any problem eating that ham right there. No problem. Just take some ham, you, and then you just get along. 
No. If you compromise on little things, you'll compromise on the bigger things. That's what it shows us. The, the compromise we have been through, the, t- the, the temptation of compromise over the last two to three years has shown us all who is willing to compromise with the state, hasn't it? Who is willing to compromise with authoritarian dictators and who is not? If you've passed these smaller tests, bigger tests are coming. A digital ID. Your kids will have to be vaccinated in order to go to school. Those are the tests coming to you. You'll have to make a decision. But the only way you make the right decision if you pass the earlier tests of compromise. Three, they knew what eventually would come their way. Here's the thing. They had to get rid of their normalcy bias, and we all have to do this. What is a normalcy bias? Human beings have a tendency to think, well, you know, it's not that bad. Brandon's making this up. He's using hyperbole, and he's a fear monger. And so it's not as bad as Brandon says. Or once we just do these things, Brandon, we're going to be back to normal. Look, the, 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 the COVID thing is going away, and, and the Omicron is going away. No, no. The funny thing is it's going away, but they're doing vaccine digital passports. A vaccine digital passport. They're not, it's not going away. See, one of the things you have to accept in your life is to get rid of a normalcy bias. A normalcy bias means that you accept reality as it is, not as you want it to be. And they accept it. They're like, dude, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's messing around. He will cook us, man. That's understanding the threat. And when you understand the threat, you can react properly. Look at this. As far as disrupting the normalcy bias in humans, I want you to see this. And I want you to take this in, in the current conditions we're in. Oh, we'll get back to normal once we deal with Russia. Economic sanctions will stop him. Oh, yeah. Look what's happening in the globalist realm at the same time Putin's doing what he's doing. Due to Russia's invasion in Ukraine, Emmanuel Macron calls for a March 10th meeting to discuss creation of a European army with himself as the leader. The European army would act independently of the U.S. and NATO. Yeah, we're, we're out of it. We're out of the ball, and so will NATO. Oh, the savior of Europe wants to create his own army. Let me add one more thing. You ready for this? This is him at the Western Wall. This is him defending Israel. I'm concerned about the United Nations resolution in Jerusalem, which continues to deliberately and, and against all evidence remove Jewish terminology from the Temple Mount. Oh, you're on the side of the Jews? I thought you would be on the side of the Muslims. Jerusalem is the eternal capital of the Jewish people. What? Erasing Jerusalem's Jewishness is unacceptable. What? It is not by affirming such untruths that associations that claim to pursue an objective of peace can claim to fulfill their vocation. How dare we talk about an apartheid in a state where Arab citizens are represented in the government and parliament, in leadership positions, and in the positions of responsibility? What? Excuse me? You want to form an army around you, and you're friendly to Israel. I'm seeing a pattern. I'm not saying he is, but I'm seeing a pattern. A world leader coming out of Europe wants to form his own army, and he's friendly to Israel. 
Do you understand the day and times that you're living in? That kind of rhetoric is lining up with the Bible. I'm not saying he's the Antichrist. I'm saying what you're seeing is hints of Antichrist-esque behavior. Friendly to Israel, forming your own army to go against Putin, who's Gog of Magog, possibly. Know your environment. How about this one? Top U.S. and Russian officials for Iran have met in Vienna. The Russian envoy said on Wednesday, and delegates on both sides said Moscow and Washington were coordinating in a bid to salvage a 2015 Iran nuclear deal. So while Russia's invading Ukraine, we're doing a deal to revive uh, the Iranian deal, and Russia's there with a, brokering the deal. Is, is, is our administration on the side of the Ukraine or on the side of Russia? I don't know. You're working with Moscow on a deal with Iran. I don't know what side these evil people are on. I just know they're all evil. But something's happening, guys. Understanding the times you live in. A couple things. What the boys are willing to do, um, let me, yeah, here we go, is they, they knew to do the right thing because they know right and wrong. They know idolatry is wrong, okay? And what happens is this. It is extremely important right now that you have a moral anchor inside of you, that you know the biblical principles, you know what side to be on according to what God says, because it, the, the time is so confusing, you won't know what to do. And here's what happens to people who don't have morals in their, their tank, so to speak. They will get into a situation, and what will happen is they will get into situational ethics, which means that they will make a decision based on what they think is the right thing to do in the situation. That's what our government is doing. That's what the politicians are doing. That's what people are doing. They're making decisions based on what they think is right in the situation. They're doing right in their own eyes, what Scripture says. You can't operate like that. We can't operate like that. We've got to know already what side are we on so that when we are foisted into the situation, we already know what to do. The boys get put into the situation. They already, already know what to do. I'm not bowing down. End of story. Kill me. They already know. They're not, oh, let me pray about it. Uh, you know, I'm going to seek the Lord on this. No, they already know what the Lord has said on that. That's where we have to be in this crazy world. You already have to know where you set up. So like, for instance, what is your position, Brandon, on Ukraine? I am for protecting the Ukrainian people, but I don't trust Zelensky because the globalists are in bed with him, and I don't trust Putin either. Both parties are jacked up and evil. But do I support the Ukrainian people? Of course. That's where I, because of what I stand for, that's how I interpret that properly. I don't get into saying, well, should I be on Zelensky's side or should I be on Putin's side? What side should I be on? I don't know. You know what's going to get the Republicans in trouble in the next election? Because they keep making statements that are pro-Putin. They're going to get messed up in the next election. Because you know why? They don't have any morals. And so they're siding with certain things of what Putin's doing and defending that. And they're going to get themselves messed up in the next election. That's how stupid they are. They don't even know how to run their own political campaigns. 
No morals, that's what happens. So when the outward pressure comes on us, guys, the only thing that's gonna save you when outward pressure comes is what's inside you. It's the only thing that's gonna save you. So you gotta be putting it in right now. And then you gotta know that obedience is gonna cost you. What is it gonna cost them? They're gonna be thrown in a furnace, right? You will lose your job, possibly. You will have to find a new school for your kids. You will not economically be where you think you're going to be in the next five years because of what they're doing to the economy. Are you willing to sacrifice that to be obedient? See, it's going to, the, the, the temptation will come for you. Hey, look, man, just compromise. Just do a little bit, and you can maintain your job, or you can go higher up in the company. Just do a little bit. Look, you don't have to believe in this stuff, but you just push it for us. Just go, go to the meetings about the transgenderism, okay? It's okay that a girl, uh, uh, sorry, a guy walks in with high heels. You've got to be okay with that. Just go along, and you can keep your career. Just go along. Before you know it, you compromise there, you're going to compromise on everything else. Before you know it, You'll be singing in the church and the Jews will be packed up in boxcars going behind you crying out and you just keep saying, sing louder because I don't want to hear it. Don't compromise and understand that obedience is going to cost you in these, in, the, in these days ahead. I beseech you, this is what Paul says in Romans 12, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It is reasonable to give your body over to God to become a living sacrifice. That's what they're willing to do. Throw us in the fire, I'll become a sacrifice for God. Do what you want with our bodies. Do with what you want with our lives. We will become a sacrifice. And the idea here in Romans 12 is the idea there is no safety guarantee with God. As far as physically safety, right? He doesn't guarantee physical safety. He doesn't guarantee you a nice life. He doesn't guarantee any of that, what they tell you on TV, the Joy Boys. They don't, he doesn't guarantee that. I like there's a part in The, the Lion, the Witcher, and the Royal Robe. I think it was that one. I, mean, I can't remember which book it was. C.S. Lewis caught this concept, what I'm talking about, brilliantly. And I, I think it was one of the books. And Mr. Tumnus and Lucy are there. And Lucy's kind of sad that, that Aslan, the, the, the Christ figure, is walking away. And, and get going back to his realm. And anyway, uh, Mr. Tunna says, you mustn't hold on to him. She goes, you understand, Lucy, he's not a tame lion. But then she responds, yes, but he's good. He captured what I'm trying to explain here. Jesus is not a tame lion that, that will prevent you from being hurt in this life. That's not what he promised. He is good. And he promises deliverance, but he doesn't promise escapism. And so this is the idea that you in this life can be hurt and you must accept what God allows. He's going to allow the boys to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Why? I'll show you the reasons why. This is the mentality that you have to have. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It's Job's attitude. Had everything taken away from him, right? Let God bring or take from me. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Remember that? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. That's the mentality of Job. It's our mentality. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mentality. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. He goes off the chain. He goes crazy. He's so enraged that people won't follow him. He goes mass Nazi. He just goes mass Nazi on people. 
Just like the clerk at Save Mart goes mask Nazi on you and goes crazy. Full of fury. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like this, this guy's fury. He doesn't like the Canadian truckers saying, hey, enough's enough. So he goes into full rage, full vent. And what does he do? First time in Canadian history, enacts an emergency act, which basically martial law, and declares these truckers, you know, um, basically terrorists and stuff like that, right? Crazy. He went nuts. You know why he goes nuts? Because every dictator cannot stand when they don't get full compliance. It's just like these teachers that even though 96% or 94% of the student population is vaccinated, they're still angry that there's a 4 to 6% that's not unvaccinated, and they're mad at that. Because why? Because we don't bow down to you. That's authoritarianism. That's control freaks. That's what happens. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is. I can't believe these three out of the whole realm won't bow now to me. I'll show them. And he spoke a command that they... That they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor, mighty men of valor, who were in his army. He got the best of the best. Let's bring in the Navy SEALs and the Green Berets to put these guys in, in the furnace. Is that necessary? No, because he's crazy. He's crazy. Who were in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice the word bind. I'll pick up on that. And cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Now, there's a, here's what I want you to see. This is lunacy. What do you mean? Why does he need to heat the furnace seven times hotter? He's actually so crazy, he doesn't realize this is an act of mercy. What do you mean? If you're going to torture someone in fire, not that you will ever do that in your life, I hope not, right? But if you're going to torture somebody, you make the flame low in heat to cause the most suffering, you don't heat that baby up seven times further because the minute they get in there, they die instantaneously. He is so crazy, he's doing an act of mercy and doesn't even realize it. That's what craziness does to you. That's when you have a Romans 1 mind. Second, why in the world would he need Green Berets and Navy SEALs to take three 20-year-old boys into a furnace? Does that sound a little excessive? Yeah, it is. It's kind of excessive when we shut down the society for almost two years and we make kids wear masks when they go to the Super Bowl and don't wear them. It's kind of excessive, isn't it? That's the stupidity of a Romans one mind when you go berserk. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is illustrating. Then, they, then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other, uh, uh, other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. They were, this is weird. They're acting like they're so afraid of the boys we're not even going to strip them of their clothes because if you're going to do this to somebody and execute them, typically what you did is you stripped them of their clothes. Even when Romans put people on the cross, they stripped them of their clothes. And so there's such an existential threat. Just tie them up right now. Get them in the furnace as fast as we can. What is the deal, man? Calm down. But no, when people are bent on control, they got to do it as fast as they can. Why? Because they don't want you to have time to react to them. They don't want you to outmaneuver them. So they do things, and they like it's like Nancy Pelosi said, we've got to pass the bill even though we don't know what's in it. Why are you so wanting to pass this? Because, oh, if I let time go on, there'll be opposition to it. Oh, I gotta, it's a tactic, right? You've got to do it as fast as you can. Before you know it, they do it, and it's, all, oh, it's over. I don't know what you talked about. It, it, we already passed that. 
But notice the word bound in here. This is going to go for your application. So I want you to, they, they had to bind them, okay? So they're bound, and they're in their clothes, and they're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace bound. Feet and hands are bound, okay? There's an application I want you to see. But there, it, it, for you personally, but there's an application typology I want you to see. When you go back to the, 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 the furnace being heated up seven times, I think I, I told you this a couple weeks ago. This is a typology for Israel. The boys represent Israel going through the Babylonian exile as an entirety, as a nation. But it also points forward to Israel going through the tribulation period. How many times did they heat it up? Seven. How many years in the tribulation? Seven. The tribulation has the connotation of fire because it's judgment, right? And so they heat the thing up seven times. The tribulation period was so bad, Jesus said no flesh would survive had I not cut the time short to seven years, basically. Notice that, that, that they, these mighty men of valor are, are going to take the boys in. Mighty men of valor. So these are the green berets. These are what we call in Hebrew, giborim. Giborim in Hebrew. Now, what is a giborim? Well, this is interesting. A giborim is a, a mighty man of valor, okay? In certain contexts, like at Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, Nimrod, the first typology of the Antichrist, he was called a mighty man of valor, a giborim. Goliath is called a giborim. Now, I want to make a connection. They're binding Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're going to do it. They're forced to do it, okay? But it's being done by giborim, mighty men of valor, Nimrod. Oh, it's a picture of Israel being bound in a covenant with a mighty man of valor called the Antichrist. Israel will be bound in a covenant with Antichrist as their protector. And then Antichrist will turn on them and throw them in the oven. And by him doing that, they will have what we call the great tribulation at the end of the second, sorry, the second half of the tribulation. He will try to exterminate them completely off the planet. It's a picture of them and it's a picture of Israel's future. Amazing. Anyway, the bound thing is a typology for the covenant that binds Israel to Antichrist. We'll talk more about application for you and I, what bounding means. Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they got close, the, the gibberim got close, and in order... In trying to execute them, the, the, the men who tried to do this, they themselves were killed by the fire. Hence, the typology is in Antichrist and his armies who tried to eliminate Israel will be wiped out by doing so, by Messiah. And Messiah is going to show up in this passage just like he will show up to rescue Israel from being annihilated, being thrown in the fiery furnace through Antichrist. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So like these guys got them up to the ledge and, and pushed them in. They died at the same time as they pushed them into the fire. They died trying to exterminate Israel. That's the principle. And anyone who tries to exterminate Israel, even including the Antichrist, 
Israel will stand at their grave at the end. You don't, you're not going to be able to wipe out Israel. Even the Antichrist won't either. But here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar has made this an existential threat. We've got to get these guys killed, bound in the fire, because who knows? They're cancer to society. They're a blemish on our society. We've got to get rid of them and just don't even take their clothes off. Just throw them in. And we need these mighty men to protect them. Sounds like January 6th again, making things up, using hyperbole, exaggerating things. So here's the thing. Notice that the same thing's happening in our, our administration where there's an existential threat, but it's really not, and they ignore the real threat. So World War III is about to happen, and yet what is Biden and the rest of these climate junkies doing? They say, no, it's World War E, not World War III. World War environment. We've got to save the environment. This is our, our existential threat. Do you see how the same themes are going on with Nebuchadnezzar as you see our leadership? Same ideas. Making things up as an existential threat. Huh. And ignoring the real threat. How about this? Biden wants trans youth to reject God's design in order to reach their God-given potential. I know that sounds crazy, but this is how crazy our leadership is, right? You know, it's like Nebuchadnezzar. We got to get the, the Navy SEALs to bring these guys in, man. They're, they're a threat to us. And so this is what the threat is to transgender youths. And for the, this is what he said at the, the, the speech the other night. And for our LGBTQ2 plus whatever Americans, let us finally get to the bipartisan equality. The Equality Act will destroy the church, by the way. The Equality Act will destroy everything that you know. Everything. The Equality Act is for this transgender agenda. It will destroy churches, okay? The onslaught of state laws targeting transgender Americans. Excuse me, can you guys, let's just talk right now, name one state law that is an onslaught going against transgender Americans and their families. What is he talking about? Bind them hand and foot, man. They're an existential threat. So you and I must be the existential threat. We must be the ones onslaughting all the laws in California that prohibit transgenderism. Is that really happening? No. As I said last year, especially our younger transgender Americans, I will always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Are you out of your mind? You're going you're gonna to kill them. You're gonna, they're going to commit suicide in your idea. But again, what, what are we talking about? I want to show you that the same mindset Nebuchadnezzar is having is the same as our leadership. They are out of their minds saying things like this. Anyway, this is where Nebuchadnezzar's at. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Yes, he, he should be. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? Uh, did I miss something? They answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose, loose, not bound, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Guess who that is, walking in the fire with them? That's Yeshua, that's Jesus, and what is he doing? That's a pre-incarnate um, we call it a theophany, appearance of God. And this is a, called a Christophany, an appearance of the Messiah before his incarnation. 
He's appearing with them in the fire. He is the one who rescued them from the fire. He is the one in the fire as they go through it. You see the picture of Israel? Israel will be rescued by the Messiah as he enters into their fire. And they will not be destroyed. And notice what it says. They're loose. I'm coming to that in our application. They were bound and now they're loose. You see that? It's a big deal. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's servants. Look what he says. El Elyon, the Most High God. Now, he's now getting it. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to see Nebuchadnezzar start getting this, and by chapter 4, he gets converted. He's now saying that, that, that Yahweh is the Most High, El Elyon, the Most High God. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the king's councils gathered together. So all, you have all this evidence, right? All these witnesses watching this. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Their hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not even on them. He preserved them even their garments. So remember I told you they wrapped them, they were in such haste, these guys are so existential threat, we're going to throw them in with their clothes. The clothes become actually the evidence of God's deliverance, that they didn't get burned, they were not singed, and they don't even have the smell of smoke. But what burned? What did the story say burned? The ropes did. The only thing that burned on them were the ropes that bound them. Oh, we're on to something now. They were loosed, remember? They, that's why it says they were walking around because their feet and their hands were bound. Now they're walking around. They're free, even in a fire. Hang on to that. Just hang on to that. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This guy's getting close. Pre-evangelism is going on, who sent his angel, he calls it an angel, and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies. They were willing to be a living sacrifice for their own God, that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own. He's making a declaration of their faith, of their testimony. That's Nebuchadnezzar. That's what their boldness did to them, him. It changed him to see this what you and I will do for our societies. They see that kind of boldness. Therefore, I make a decree that any person, nation, or language who speaks anything amiss against, uh, amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. I will tear you from limb to limb, and their houses will be made an ash heap. It's really a dung hill uh, or an outhouse. Your, their house will be turned into an outhouse for here in, here in Babylon. Because there's no other God that can deliver like this. Wow. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they were rewarded for their stance. Just like people are rewarded right now when they stand against these people saying, you can't work here unless you're vaccinated. And you know what happens? They say, well, I don't work here. Fire me. They get fired. And then that next week, God finds another job for them. If you stand in obedience, you may not be delivered from the, the fire. You're going to get fired from your job. But at the end, you will be ultimately delivered and he will bless you by giving you another job somewhere else that he wants you at. That's how it works. But you, have, you have to be obedient and willing to sacrifice. Now, what's the application here? 
We're all going to individually face furnaces. You, you might have faced many furnaces now, but you're going to face one either now or coming. We're all going to go through them. Like I said, the rapture could happen, but if not, you're going to, you and I are going through the furnace together. We're going to be put through the most difficult time you could imagine we, we could possibly go through. Okay? So the Lord ex- tells us to expect these things. In this world, you will have tribulation, he said. However, here's the point. You and I can never have a price in which we are bought off in order to compromise. Don't have that price that it's your job, it's your career. Don't have that price. If that is your price, you're already going to fall. You're already going to compromise. Well, my kids got to go to school. Yeah, well, then you have to be vaccinated. Are you going to pay that price in compromise? You see what I'm saying? It's coming your way. You're not going to avoid it. The furnace is coming. And, in, and, and the key is, will you stand like Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego and not compromise? Fiery, this is what Oswald Chambers says. Why does God allow these, these fiery furnaces to come to us? Why do we have to deal with stuff? I'm ready to go. He says this, the fiery furnaces are there by God's direct permission. God allowed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go through it, right? He could have saved them before, but he didn't. It is misleading to imagine that we are developed in spite of our circumstances. You're not going to be developed into being more like Christ if you're not in the furnace. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You will have to be in the furnace in order to become more like Christ. That's just the way it is. It is mastery in circumstances that is needed, not mastery over them. Don't ask to be removed anymore from furnaces. Ask that Messiah would be with you in the furnace. That's the better prayer. That's what he wants. But why? Why does he want me to go through the furnace? Well, if you react biblically to the fiery furnaces that we face, it can free you from the bonds that enslave you. Did you catch that? They are thrown into the furnace with binds. They come out of the furnace free. Oh, now I see the point. If you want to be free from your baggage, you've got to accept the furnace because the furnace is the only thing that's going to break and burn off the bindings that you have from your past. If you try to run from the furnace and you try to escape from the furnace, you will still be bound. You must accept the furnace because the furnace is there to burn those things off of you. That's the only way, guys. If you want freedom, let it burn. And you will be set free. Huh. Leon Wood says, how much better is it or better, it was to go through the fire with the Lord than to have missed the fire and not enjoyed the Lord's presence. Because what he says is, I'll go through the fire with you. I'll be right there. Just hang on. Trust me. And I guarantee you, Messiah is saying to you, you will go through it. You will not be harmed by the fire. Will you be hurt? Yes, but you won't be harmed. Your clothes will make it through it. Now, here's what, what, what's happening here. When it says the clothes weren't burned and they didn't have the smell of smoke, what it's saying is this, that God will put you through the furnace 
and you will have redemptive pain going through what you're going through, a redemptive hurt, but God is promising you that that pain won't harm you spiritually. It will actually make you better. Understand there's a difference between harming and hurting. Is there good pain? Yes, and sometimes we need to feel it, but he will never harm you. He can cause you pain, but he won't harm you. What do you mean by harm? Well, it, he won't devastate your life. He won't destroy you spiritually. That's not what the intent is. But he's got to cause the pain a little bit so you can break the bonds. Oh, wow. This is a promise to Israel, but it's, the principle in, in Scripture is a promise to all of us. But now, thus says the Lord God who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my, your name. You are mine. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. That's not only Israel's promise, but our promise as well. Wow. They did not bow, they did not bend, they did not burn. But here's the question we all have to answer. Does our acceptance of the furnaces that we have right now give other believers the courage for their furnaces? Only you can answer that. Are you suffering well? Are you taking on? Or are you crying in a corner, sucking your thumb, hoping for deliverance? It's not the way to approach life. Suffer well. Because in doing so, you give courage to other people for their furnaces. They see what you're doing. They, they know what you're going through. And they're like, wow, man, Bob's really suffering well. If he can do it, I can do it. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can do it, you can do it. I can do it. That's the idea. That when you notice how the satraps and everybody saw this in the Babylonian community, it was a witness to them that, boy, these guys really believe what they believe. We better pay attention to what these guys say. It gave them credibility with the outside world. And that's what it'll do for you. When the world sees you suffering well, it gives you credibility, and then you can speak into their lives. Look what it's already doing to Nebuchadnezzar. He's this close to getting saved. He's that close. Accept the furnaces, not only for the witnesses, but for freedom. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Sunday Sermons. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has recently started a second podcast called The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for The Anchor Bible Study. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.